Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 103. 103. So very close. So very close to two years. Oh my God. So close to our season finale. Very exciting indeed. How have we managed two years? Well, booze mainly. Cocktails. All the cocktails. Without them, nothing would have happened, I feel. No, that is is the secret to success. Podcast <laughs> for it is much like the eating of an orange. Yes, two years we're coming up to. Next week is our season finale. We're going to have a magical retrospective where we're looking back at all of the best bits of the Poisoner's Cabinet the for the last, last two, two years. years. And we've got a lot of listener suggestions you beautiful people have sent in about cases to chat about your highlights. So that will be a very special episode out next week. We're going to have a tiny break between season two and season three just so we can get season three ready. We're looking forward to the season finale. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's absolutely. Exciting. It's a fun time. We've got lots to chat about. But that's not now. That's not now. That's not now. So this one better be good. We're in the now. We're in the here. We're in the we're 103, in the... not the 104. Penultimate. Penultimate, Penultimate. I tell you. Oh, good word. Yes, it is. It's a bit like perineum. I ruined it. I ruined it, didn't I? It's nothing at all like a perineum, I feel. It's got a purr in there. It's got a purr. You got a purr. <laughs> yeah, it's going well. It's yeah, going, it's going well. well. Yeah, it's getting weird. How are you, Nick? Um, me and my perineum are fine, thank you. Oh, good. Oh, good. Now I'm picturing... Oh, why? See, you started it. You why? started it. Nope. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that aside, good to know. That aside, good to that know. Aside, yeah. Lovely. It's been a mad old week. <laughs> yeah. But a busy week, but for exciting reasons. Okay. Well, why exciting because reasons? Because we're running away. We are escaping, escaping the country. Not to get married. Not to get married, no. We're not fleeing to be wed, finally. <laughs> At the terrible, terrible no. marriage we'd have. Actually, it'd be quite fun. Uh, we got married, it'd be fine. Cocktails. <laughs> it'd be a lot of cocktails. Loveless. Loveless. <laughs> it's an old marriage. <laughs> We are going away. We're going on holiday for the first time together ever abroad. We are leaving the country. My first time leaving the country in about six years. No way. Yes, indeed. Has it been that long? It has been that long. I mean, for me, it's been well, probably about three years, actually. Yeah. The last the last holiday I had before lockdown was Wales. And I love <laughs> Wales, but when you have lockdown staring down a barrel at you, you're like, oh, Wales, come on, it was wet. <laughs> yeah, so no, I know. I went back through my, through my passport and gone... 
That's a long time ago. So yes, we're going away, which is very exciting. Yes, we're heading to the US of A, Indeed. where a lot of you are. We're not telling you where we're going. Secret, you'll find secret. out when we're there. <laughs> if you happen to be there and we happen to pass you in the street, wave. <laughs> but it's very exciting. Any poisonings this week? Many, before... many, many. Oh, oh okay. Many, many, many. I mean, people, it's, it's been a busy week. It's been a crazy yeah. week. Trying to get everything ready. And people do just get in the way sometimes. We're clearing up loose ends. Clearing, oh, that's exactly so. This was the week to do it. This was the week to do it. Because we escape in the country next week. So. Oh, indeed. Free and easy. Well, speaking of escaping the country because you've poisoned everyone you know, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Oh, we should indeed. They hopefully haven't been poisoned. So thank you very much to Jane. To Terry K. To Ashley Martin. And to Anne Lasher. All a very unpoisony welcome to you. Wonderful, wonderful, sexy, sexy people, our beautiful Patreon subscribers. We've had a special episode this week on Patreon. We had a lovely expert witness with us, the delicious Rowanna Bond, because we took a deep dive into cults, didn't we? That was good fun, that. That was good. It was very interesting. It's, it's, It's disturbing. Sometimes you forget how clever your friends are. (laughs) because generally you sort of sit around the pub and you talk about silly things and stuff like that yeah pretty much and then you get them into a grown-up environment and go oh you're actually very clever well yes (laughs) rowan our our very good friend is a psychotherapist is highly trained in dealing with all sorts of no no oh god i wasn't referring to you in this no none of (laughs) us no one sits around going you know what nick and sinead really clever they are they just go what's gone on with their life what's going on what's going on something's gone wrong there hasn't it is looking at the psychology behind cults mm. and we went into all places really good discussion quite triggering at some points it but it was really good and we also have another guest episode next week a little bit of fun on patreon but that's the place to be if you want to have just some different kind of content yeah. and more stories each week well nick are you ready mm. to drink cocktails and talk about poison because mm. i think you should talk about poison given the week you've had <laughs> or we could end it all by drinking poison and talking about cocktails. No, no, I've got an exciting holiday to look forward to. Oh, we so should wait. We should wait. So should wait. the week after, absolutely. Holiday Never will wait. be over. We'll be full of despair. Um, <laughs> bring on the poison, but not just yet. Okay, well, 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 one week's reprieve. Hooray. One week's reprieve, absolutely. We'll go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. We can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. So it's my story this week, my pick, and my mm. classic, classic ingredient for yes. the cocktail is mm. a shotgun. Nice. <laughs> Excellently cocktaily. I just went on the nose with this one. Yeah, I mean, it's not subtle. I'll give you that. I am not known for being subtle. <laughs> this is very true. So I'm intrigued about what could possibly be the method of murder in this, in this well, case. Well, you might be surprised, I might Nick. be surprised. That you is very true. be surprised. Yes. I gave you other options. You screamed at me and I went, okay, fine, it's a shotgun. Yes. But but it's not as cut and dried as you might is think. It not? Okay. It's got a little bit of nuance to it. Right. Shotgun, the infamously subtle, subtle weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Full of nuance and, and mystery is the shotgun. As delicate and intricate as a poisoner itself. <laughs> oh, oh, someone put on, on Instagram earlier on before yeah. you reveal what it is. And I it stayed in my head, it lived rent free in my head <laughs> all day. Just with shotgun. <laughs> Shut, 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 shut. Are we having those? No, we're not. Oh, bloody hell. No. Why can't we just have shots, Nick? It's been a long week. All the Zambuca for you. Hey, not Zambuca. What? No. Please, I am not a monster. I want some cinnamon aftershock. Okay, right. And a shot of Merlot. What? Merlot's gross. I don't know. 
None of that. None of that. None of that. None of that. Okay, with shotgun as your inspiration yeah. or your ingredient, what have you come up well, with? Well, actually, something that's another one of the Instagrammy folk has guessed. Ooh, ooh. Yes, indeed. So shots, I shots, shots. Not shots. No. Not uh, shots. Shush yourself with shots. So can this we have week, shots? we can have shots. No, shut up about shots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I give you shots once and you threw them on your face. Oh, you did on my wedding day. <laughs> I threw a creme de menthe in my eye. <laughs> so you're not allowed shots. Okay. It's very bad. So this week we are having a six barrel shotgun. Oh my God. Great. <laughs> Perfect. You see, you see, I knew you'd find one. Yeah. A six barrel shotgun. Six, is I mean, pretty... it means that's terrifying. Uh, uh, six barrels. Jesus, yeah. actually. Well, how many barrels is a shotgun? Well, around? usually two. Usually two. The double barrel shotgun. Yeah. And you have the, you have the, the gauge or the um, thing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you'll see. The story, I forgot I mean, what it is. Well, well done, you. For, for the caliber, the, the weight, the, 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 the balls of the shotgun. I don't know. It was Gage. What know. are you talking about? I don't about? know. I was thinking you would know. I, you know about how this, shotguns. You know how this works, Nick. I start saying something and then you correct me going, no, you're insane because you know more than me in terms of facts. <laughs> in terms of facts. Okay. Usual, I think your usual shotgun will have two barrels. Okay, good. But yes. this is six. This has six. This has been modified. This has been heavily modified. Because someone's taped two shotguns on top of the other one and now there's six barrels. Yeah, exactly. So, wrapped yeah. it up in a bit of tape. Detailed, detailed modification that's been made with some gaffer tape. And they've used a series of pipe cleaners to create one big trigger. This is very painful. You may know about the gauges of shotguns. I know about how to make a super gun. Excuse me, you're the one who brought up gauges of shotguns. I have not said anything (laughs) about gauges of shotguns. Look, this is all happening inside my head, Nick. I think it's very obvious. But it sounds exciting. Six barrels. I'm, I'm fearing it may be strong. It may well be. Okay, well, without further ado, I think it is time for us to leap into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, we have a six-barrel shotgun. Well remembered there. I saw you thinking, what was it called? Well, we babbled so much about shotguns. I was like, what the hell did we say? Six-barrel shotgun. Yeah. It doesn't look like a shotgun. Well, it looks metally. It, yes, I will give you that. That's quite a nice touch. Thank so you. For for one of the rare occasions where we've got the cocktail in, is this like a mint julep glass? Not a glass, excuse me. Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, it's in like effect. Brassish, copper, muggy. Oh, copper, copper mug, copper, copper mug. mug. So normally you, you, the copper, like the actual copper mugs, you'd have like a Moscow Mule. Yeah. Thing. This is all, yeah, like a julep as well. We'll be served in one of these. But I don't think we've had this, 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 this one that you've brought out. This particular vessel. No, no. I don't know if we have actually. No, we haven't. I thought I knew all the secrets of the poisonous cabinet. So and it's, many new sneaky things in there. It's a positively curvaceous oh, little uh, little copper mug. So yeah, lots of crushed ice in there. Interesting. It's, but you keep going. It's got interesting ingredients. It's well, we'll find out. It could be marvelous. Oh, okay. Well, it'd be nice if it was. It would be very nice if it was. All right, should we dive in? Let's We've got a go. straw this yeah, time because of the crushed ice. Well. Merry Christmas! Merry Cheers. Christmas. All right, let's give this a go. Ugh. Ooh. Okay. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that a lot. That surprises me. Yeah, that's nice. What was what was the panic? Well, no. I'd shudder to ask, but <laughs> no, that's a lovely. That's lemony. Ooh, that's ooh. citrusy. That's refreshing. It's always got a nice bit of kick to it. Well, yeah, it's got a kick to it. It's got good flavour to it, and nice and cold and long. Oh my goodness! Oh my! Oh my! I'm really pleasantly surprised by that. This six-barrel shotgun has hit us like a six-barrel shotgun. <laughs> 
has hit the target. Hit the spot. Hit the spot. <laughs> That's very nice. Yeah. Tell me everything. Okay. There's ice. Okay. There's ice in there. Right. We also have, we have bourbon. 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 We have rum. Ooh, oh, okay. We have gin. G- fuck. We have sweet vermouth. Jesus. We have some sugar. Oh, okay. And some lemon. And some lemon. And some Angostura bitters. There's a lot going on. That's why I wasn't too sure how it was going to That's why I feel like my brain is coming out of my ears. <laughs> I've suddenly gone, ooh, I'm a little, ooh, that hit, that, that kicked in. Yeah, so, so I wasn't sure. There's a lot going on there. So I thought, oh, maybe it may be a bit much, a bit much. But Instant actually, it's in the really glass. good. But is it just because it's just chilled to perfection of just the ice you can't tell? Everything's numb. No. No, it tastes lovely. It's lovely. So, so there's bourbon. Bourbon. Dark rum. rum? Uh, light rum. Oh, light rum. Okay, yep. bourbon, light rum, gin, sweet vermouth. Yep. And bitters. Bitters, lemon and sugar. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. It's I'm, a lot. It I'm works. Shocked. I'm not kidding. I really feel like, oh, it's really hit me. <laughs> it's a lot of booze. Maybe it's it just, booze. maybe if you just said it was gin and lemon and some tears, then I probably wouldn't be feeling drunk or something like that. But I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of alcohol in there. Do you want a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I might need one. If the story descends into nonsense, okay. then yes, yeah. let's jump in. Well, that's delicious. Very nice. Very surprised by that. Very nice yeah. indeed. But with the crushed ice, with one yeah. cube of ice, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, no. absolutely. If, it was, if you just drank it like a Negroni or... Just like on the rocks, or even just with nothing, it would be far too much. You would, you just would with explode. Nothing. <laughs> like a red Who's hook. doing you, that? Know, like a red hook or something. You don't have a cube of ice in that. No, no, no. But, um, but I just thought you were implying you just pour it into a glass with no, no. chilling and just go and see what happens as you sat on the stairs. <laughs> but with the crushed ice, you have a much lengthier dilution, so you have a. It's nowhere near as strong as it would be, obviously, if you had it just neat. Yes. Um. So that would help. But yeah, just neat. Then that you would explode. Wow. But yeah. Well, that's delicious. Mm, tasty, tasty. Well done, Nick. Well done. Six barrel shotgun. Maybe we'll see what happens. Maybe this is the reason it's called that. Yeah, maybe so. You're like, ah, yes, you don't think it's hit you, and then suddenly, bam! <laughs> Could well be that. Well, with our six barrel shotguns firmly in hand, wrestling these bad boys down the street, <laughs> going to the post office, it's a weird day. That would be a weird day. We're just getting stamps. No one's going to fuck with me. <laughs> we have them in hand, barely. Are you ready for a story? Yes. Yay! I think we should. Okay. Well, with a six-barrel shotgun, it seems to imply some sort of Wild West staggering down the street of, yeah, I've come to... I've come... I I mean business. (laughs) But it's not that. Okay. No, no. Good. Think of shotguns because we are in England. We are in England. Yay! In the 1800s. And we have a mystery on our hands, Nick. Okay. A mystery. One that would land one of England's most famous tourist attractions in hot water. Oh, Chessington World of Adventures. <laughs> Madame Tussauds. Chessington World of Adventures was just too Chessington-y. <laughs> it was too much adventure, not enough world. No, no, no. Today we are telling the tale of the Ardlemont murder mystery. Okay. Do you know of this tale? No. Oh, you're in for a treat, Nick. This has everything. Does it? <laughs> it doesn't have poison, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> it has a very large All shotgun. Right. So we start this tale with a chap named Alfred John Monson. Uh, now, right. Alfred had a good start to life. Not much is known about his childhood, but enough is known about his childhood. He was born in 1860 into an upper middle class family. His father was a reverend and he had been the British ambassador for Paris. Oh, very nice. Couldn't move for Ferrero Rocher in the house. His mother was Caroline. She was the daughter of a Viscount, don't you know? Fancy. Mm, 
And so Alfred came from good stock. He went to Oxford University. He travelled as an adult and he worked for a time as a civil servant in South Africa. Now, when he returned to England from his time in South Africa in his 20s, he lived a fine lifestyle. He had a nice house. He had many servants. He had horses, horses to trot about on. But what was a little odd was by his late 20s, his main profession was not living off an inheritance or a terribly, terribly fancy job or a title. He was a mere tutor, a tutor to young gentlemen studying for their army entrance exams. Mm. Now, a tutor doesn't earn much. Does it? Well, no, probably not, no. No, no, but yet he's living this rather fancy lifestyle. Uh, mm, Alfred was a man who liked to live quite beyond his means. Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, he was racking up debt while he was at it. He was only too happy to indulge in any sort of fraud or money kind of grabbing scheme that would enable him to keep living this slightly, well... It's not a particularly lavish lifestyle. He just seemed to think that he was entitled to have a fancy house and to have servants and to have horses. He was married. He had several children. He would boast at one point that he never met anyone who could not be useful to him. Oh, interesting. Mm. But yes, the debts were racking up and obviously he's not making a lot of money as a tutor, but his luck would change when he was luckily introduced to a gentleman named Major Dudley Hambra. Oh, very fancy. Mm, let's just picture him. As a Big moustache, I feel. Big moustache. Massive moustache. The finest of moustaches. Yeah. Major Hambra was in need of a tutor for his young son, whose name was Windsor Cecil. Nice. Hambra, known as Cecil. And Alfred was only too happy to provide this service. Alfred may have thought, hmm, 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 his luck had changed. We have a major, we have a quite well-to-do family. I'm sure they have tons of cash. Eh, unfortunately, the major's financial status was not much better than his own. Oh, dear. No. Major Hambra had a life interest, it was known, in several estates. He had enough to earn him about £4,000 a year. Which is, which is a lot in sort of, this is what, yeah. 1880s? But that wasn't enough for him. And he had mortgaged those up to the hilt. Mm. At one point, taking out a mortgage for £37,000. These mortgages were at the point of foreclosure. He was having to live, oh, the horror, the horror of it all, having to live in his rooms in London rather than one of his London fancy grand estates. But it apparently didn't stop all and sundry trying to get their hands on his estate and the wealth locked up in there. People clearly thought they could take advantage of Major Hambra and his family, thinking, okay, well, if he's taking so many mortgages out, maybe I can convince him that I will handle his finances and get my hand on the estate and get hand on money. I mean, clearly the man is mortgaged all the way to Helen back, so probably not the rube that you want to pick out. But so it came to pass that the Major was introduced to Alfred, Alfred Monson, by a chap named Tottenham. Mr. Tottenham. Mr. Tottenham. Mr. Tottenham. Um, Tottenham was apparently trying to get hold of Major's life interests himself. (laughs) He was trying to get into the estate and supporting him financially by going, no, no, I will help you, I'll help you, I'll lend you some money, then you'll give me some stuff, really, won't you? And on meeting the Major, Alfred Monson clearly has the same sort of ideas. But... The Major is oblivious to anyone trying to screw him over, apparently, at this point in his life. In Alfred, the Major sees some hope for his 17-year-old son, Cecil. If the boy can get into an army, then he will surely become an officer and he will be able to support his dear old parents until all these debts are paid off. Yeah, the son will have a good wage. That'll be fine. Now, on paper, Alfred is educated. He's charming and he's experienced, so the Major has no issues in signing him up to be Mm. Cecil's army tutor to help him get through his entrance exams. Around this time, when Cecil becomes his tutee, 
Alfred Tutti. Tutti. Tutan, son. Tutan. Pupil. Pu- oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck is a Tutti? I don't know. Your husband's a teacher, for heaven's sake. He's not a... But I, shut he up. pupils. <laughs> he doesn't have, like, 20 Tutti's oh, in the, this classroom. All right, well, let's just firmly establish that he's a teacher and I'm not. That's why I didn't become a teacher. <laughs> don't know what the fuck to call the kids. <laughs> pupil. Pupil. Never heard that one before. Tutti. <laughs> Right. So when Cecil had become his pupil, okay. in those days it was called a tutti. It was it indeed. <laughs> Alfred has leased a fine country house in Yorkshire, Risley Hall it's called, with his wife and his three children. Um, literally the three kids, we hear nothing about them and the rest of the story. They were there. They were there. And they somehow around. disappeared later on. Like, <laughs> daddy, the whole way through. And Cecil came to stay with them. Came to stay so he would be tutored or taught, as was known at the time. Or pupiled. Pupiled. <laughs> Pummeled with facts by Alfred. He went to stay in the house. Major Hambra was sure that Alfred would set his son on the right path. He was going to be studying for his ex- entrance exams to the army. Cecil had been a little bit wayward. 17-year-old boy, you know, with parents who were of good standing yeah, but feckless with money he was pretty feckless himself so this was the right thing to do go and live with this good tutor and everything will be fine and at Ridley Hall Cecil indeed had the time of his life mm. oh yes Alfred Monson had no interest in tutoring the boy <laughs> he barely got an education from any of the reports that were out there him tutoring him to get in the army Cecil was nowhere near the army Alfred was doing nothing to help him what Alfred was doing was presenting himself as a sort of financial advisor <laughs> to the major in an effort to get him to hand over some of his details his deeds mm. his cash getting the major also involved in ever more debt broiling him in various financial schemes that would release some cash to Alfred. So the poor major, the poor major's mm. getting screwed poor here. Major. Whereas at Ridley Hall, with the money that the major was providing, or wherever Alfred was able to get it, there was fine dining, heavy drinking, lots of lovely countryside to explore, no studying to <laughs> trouble yourself with. Cecil wasn't being taught a goddamn thing. He even allegedly learnt some new tricks courtesy of Mrs. Monson herself. See, an excellent education he's getting excellent education in the finer things as a gentleman should learn you must learn how to drink you must learn how to dine and you must learn how to you know (laughs) another technical term there another technical term the duty became the tutor (laughs) it's not long before Major Hambra sort of cottons on that all is not well all is not good bless the Major in this story he's so stupid and naive you can imagine him sort of hands on his hips months later of being bled dry by various people his son shagging his tutor's wife (laughs) drinking drunk nowhere near the army and the major going wait a minute he goes no 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 no. what little money he has keeps disappearing his son knows a lot about drinking and shagging can't add doesn't know anything (laughs) the major orders cecil to come home enough is enough you've got to come home cecil screw you no <laughs> oh, oh a great time yeah go back to rooms in london oh how sad i'm gonna stay here in this country estate the deal is even sweetened because in 1892 alfred monson rents a scottish estate named ardlemont oh. and he thinks this is the perfect place to set up his family and his pupil can come along for the shooting season 
very civilised. This is what one does. Oh, indeed. You have your estate in Yorkshire, you go to Scotland for the shooting. I mean, this is going to cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost an absolute bomb to keep all these places going. Oh, details, darling. Details. <laughs> Alfred is only too happy for Cecil to come with him. And that's very kind of him, you know. Mm. Take his pupil, as we've established. <laughs> Along with him, he may have been fiddling his wife and he may be thick as two short planks, but he does have a very attractive trait in that he's going to come into an inheritance of £20,000 when he turns 21. So you know what? He should keep him very close by. Absolutely. I'm sure the wife didn't object too much either. Not at all. (laughs) He should definitely come with us. He should definitely, definitely come. Young 20-year-old, yeah, he can definitely come here. Absolutely. Now, um, Cecil's age varies in the different reports because when he's first mentioned... Which isn't too long before he's he moves to Scotland. It is said that he's 17. Oh, okay. I think time has passed that he's nearing the age of 21. He's not within a year, but he's, he's getting mm. older. The, the wife is happy with it. Yeah, well, Let's put it this way. Yeah. So off the family and Cecil go to Scotland. Alfred borrows off everyone they know to afford the train tickets, even asking Mr. Tottenham for the fare for the one for the one way trip. Um it's said that they are secretly so strapped for cash that when they leave they are forced to leave their linen behind because they can't afford a laundress. <laughs> okay. So what are they going to do? Buy new stuff when they're off there? Well that's that it. Cheaper? I guess I guess they thought that that was the way to do it that he would oh, just okay. he would earn more money up yeah. there. Or maybe you, that's the sob you've story. You've got to wear the same clothes until I earn some more cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they don't have a new outfit every hour? Well, exactly, yeah. What are they going to do? Shock horror there. You might be wondering how they got this estate up in I Scotland. I was wondering that. Uh, Alfred has been declared bankrupt, <laughs> so he can't sign the lease. Cecil can't sign the lease because he's not of age. Yeah. Now, whether that means he's 17 or whether he's only 20 or so, but he can't sign it. So apparently... When sorting out the lease, it's fine because a Mr. Jenneringham, I'm so now. Jenneringham, Jenneringham, mm-hmm, signed for the house, acting as Cecil's guardian and trustee. Right. Who is Mr. Jenneringham? This is someone who was never seen of again. <laughs> who very much turns up. We can probably imagine in a great big moustache. Nice. Alfred and Cecil walking out of whatever office it is. Probably Alfred, just alone. Cecil knows nothing of this. Comes back in. Hello, I'm Mr. And I'm sorry, it's a very made-up name in the spot. It is Jenringham. 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 So that's someone standing going, my name is Jenringham. That's a name. Shut up. So yes, makes it up. But it secures the lease. But it does the trick. It does the trick. The family are finally settled into their Scottish home to enjoy a wonderful season of shooting all together. Later that day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That week, let's say. Not long after they had moved in. Alfred Monson pays a visit to a local insurance company (laughs) requesting a life insurance policy on Cecil's life that could be paid to Mrs. Monson. The insurance company says, what connection does she have to this man? A very physical connection. (laughs) A deep spiritual connection. A deep spiritual connection constantly for the past six months. (laughs) Joined at the hip. None whatsoever. She's my wife. He's my pupil. It's fine. Trust me. Don't worry about it. They're like, no, we're not in the habit of just blindly handing out insurance policies that vaguely connect people that have no familial or any other connection. So no, no, the answer is no. He's sent packing. Tries another insurance company. 
No, get out, you weird, weird man. Eventually, Alfred ends up paying a visit to the New York Mutual Assurance Company. Okay. In Scotland. In Scotland. Yes, there it is. It's a thing. Let's just go with it. Let's go with it. He declares, brace yourself, Mm. that his young friend Cecil is the heir to a huge fortune, 200,000 pounds, Nick. That is a huge fortune. Which he shall inherit in but one year's time. And this young man wanted to put down roots first, and he wants to buy Ardlemont Estate. But he can't buy it because he's not getting his inheritance first. So Mrs. Monson, Mrs. Monson has given him an advance of 20,000 pounds to enable the purchase, knowing, of course, that he was going to come into money later on. So the insurers are going, why are you telling us all of this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He says, (laughs) could Cecil possibly have a life insurance? policy that would cover this 20k just in case anything happens to him between now and his 21st birthday because my wife's put up all of this money Cecil totally wants to do this as well he says (laughs) this is very much like an early version of my friend I will transfer you two million (laughs) dollars of this currency and all I need is for you to cover the taxes and put it into my friend's account and then you will totally receive the two million dollars. Was Cecil a Nigerian prince by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) I would not be surprised. This long convoluted thing is poured out to the New York Mutual Assurance (laughs) Company and the insurance company sighs and goes... Sure, why not? Sure, why not? Just go away. Absolutely. They give him the policy. Alfred pays £194 for the first premium, so he's found money somewhere. That's a decent chunk, yeah. Exactly. So, so sure he is of this policy. Mm. This has made me wonder why, you know, we're so guarded against those emails from various princes around the world and insurance scams about, no, totally, I will do this if you do that. It makes me think that insurance companies have been hiding something. (laughs) That they've been scammed for far too long. It's not us, it's them who have been screwed over by people for 80 years (laughs) and now it's just been a thing. Okay, we have just accepted all of this bollocks. Can people please just ask (laughs) follow-up questions? That's all we ask. That's all we ask. So this is what's happened. That's the early version of the Nigerian <laughs> Prince email. But Alfred has his policy. Hurrah! Huzzah! Wonderful. I think this calls for a celebration. Certainly. Let's have a shooting weekend. Let's. <laughs> Let's. Let's. Can you think of a more unsubtle segue into a murder true crime story <laughs> with a shooting weekend? Shooting weekend. Oh, very Agatha Christie. It is. <laughs> but it's not quite as cut and dried. Okay. It would be kind of great if he just went back and shot him in the face immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I was aiming for that moorhen over there. Sorry. <laughs> just you wait, Nick. Seriously. It doesn't start that way. He okay. doesn't go with the guns immediately. He does arrange a shooting party. And party is the loosest sense of the word because it's him, it's Cecil, and a man called Edward Scott turns up for the weekend. All we know about him is he's an engineer and he has turned up to buy a yacht. Okay. That is it. Right. Edward does nothing but follow these people around all weekend. Does anyone have a yacht for sale? I don't think they have a yacht for sale. No. No, I don't think anyone has a yacht. There are no yachts in the area. He has just turned up to buy a yacht. Right. So he's just going around places going, do you have a yacht? No as long as you to. have no follow-up questions whatsoever, that's that's what I'm doing. Okay. He's been going town to town in Sounds Scotland. Like trying, just desperately trying to find a yacht. I know, he can't find his yacht. He can't Poor find man. a yacht. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, before the guns come out, the trio decide to go fishing. Right. They're going to go fishing. On the yacht. On the, <laughs> they're going to go and try and find a yacht. Find they're the going to fish for a yacht. On. Now, the reports of this differ. Um, I think this is in the sea. The, the estate can't be far from the shore. There's some reports that it's on a lake, but what ends up happening is Scott waits on the shore of the beach. Alfred and Cecil go out on a little boat. Alfred rowing, Very smiling romantic. at Cecil. We, oh, I do hope nothing happens on this boat, though. I do hope. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if someone was to fall overboard? It would be, because, you know, Alfred can swim, but Cecil can't. Cecil can't swim, but oh no, the boat is taking in water. The boat is taking in water, and now it has capsized. Yes, that tragedy. Tragedy ensues out there on the water, and Alfred cries, Oh my goodness, as he merrily swims back to the shore, and he turns around, and Cecil is pretty much standing up in the water. <laughs> it's really not that deep. <laughs> nice. And Cecil is just like, Hi! Hi! hi I'm here! I'm fine, by the way. Isn't it shallow out here? <laughs> God damn it. Nice. So they try to drown him unsuccessfully. Very unsuccessfully. Well, something happens on the boat unsuccessfully. They head back Pulled to the, the house. They head back to the house. Alfred claims that the boat hit a rock and capsized. A, what speed was this boat going at? <laughs> and how big was the rock? It was an iceberg That's dead nice. ahead. <laughs> anyway, they're safe and dry. Now, as I said, there are different reports that there was one report that the boat, when it started taking in water and it capsized, that Cecil clung on to a rock. Uh, okay. Alfred still said that he'd hit a rock, but Alfred, <laughs> Cecil was clinging on to a rock and that Alfred eventually came back and saved him. <laughs> that it was probably so shallow where the guy was screaming and hanging onto a rock and he gave it a good 12 hours and went, I really have to save him. Like, he's not going to die. He's getting a crowd now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Begrudgingly rubbing out the name. Oh my God. They head back to the house. Cheery, having survived their ordeal. Mm. But now they're safe and they're dry. Let's just have a day of shooting. The next day, we're going to go out and do some shooting. Absolutely. That can't end badly. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely. 10th of August, 1893. The three men went out into the woods on the estate. No yachts shoot. in the wood. 
hunting yachts. Hunting yachts. Hunting yachts. Alfred was carrying his 22 bore shotgun. Cecil had a 20 bore shotgun. Okay. He's uh, missing a bore. He's missing a bore, yes. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that means. Shotgun was loaded with bores. <laughs> They're very aggressive. <laughs> I think it's like a gauge yeah. or the weight of it. I didn't look it up, Nick. I didn't look it up. I just assumed you'd know. I don't. I know. I know nothing about guns. Oh, pacifist. All yeah, right. was it a lot of people in America go get? It's obvious. This is what it is. <laughs> Sorry, over here. I'm got a clue. Well, the Alfred's one is bigger. I remember once, <clears throat> sidetrack. Okay. In a, in a job I used to have. Um, in, Did you have a shotgun? Uh, no, I didn't have a shotgun, I, but I worked in an office and the MD came in on a Friday in his pink trousers and oh, fancy shirt with his shotgun uh. because he was going to his country place and shooting for the weekend. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a shotgun. Oh my God. And I was like, why have you got a gun in the office? Well, yes, why have you got a gun in the office? Because if someone walked in with a gun in the office, I think, okay, this is going to turn into yeah. a falling down situation no, well, I, I and he's going to go from cubicle to cubicle. <laughs> I knew he was desperately posh. Um, and had a pl- and I had a place in the country. Um, you didn't know that before. He had the fucking shotgun in there. Well, I knew like I knew that, and then he walked with the shotgun. So I assumed the shotgun was something to do with the place in the country. <laughs> but I still never seen a man with. A I shotgun would before. still freak out. I've grown up in the countryside around farmers who walk around with shotguns. I've seen them just shooting shit outside of my house. If someone walked into an office with a shotgun, rationally, I would hide <laughs> under my desk and go, "Don't know if you're going to kick off, mate. Don't know. Don't. I'm not going to take that risk that you're just posh." No, well, he didn't get off. And I, yeah, so, anyway. First of all, I saw, saw a shotgun. Oh, we should go shooting. Shooting's fun. Is it? Not actual animals. Not animals. But, like, clay pigeons. But people. <laughs> that comes with the rapture, too. <laughs> Hunt them down, the bastards. Anyway, this is what they were discussing. Yeah, anyway, yes, moving on. As they went into the woods, uh, Cecil... Alfred and Edward Scott, who's just and, still there. And Yachtman. Yachtman. Yachtman does not have a gun. Oh. He's just walking with them. Do you want a gun? No. I just want to watch what's happening. I don't know what you... (laughs) Off they go into the woods. Okay. Not long afterwards, a shot is heard by the servants in the house. Alfred and Edward Scott are seen returning to the house. They put away their guns. Around about ten minutes go by. And they come out and they say to the servants, Oh my God, a terrible accident has happened. Okay. Yes, it appears that young Cecil is dead. He is dead, Nick. You know how? Uh, Possibly a gun? He accidentally, tragically shot himself in the face while climbing a fence. (laughs) That reminds me of Blackout of that. (laughs) That's pretty much what they said. That's pretty much exactly it. (laughs) He accidentally shot his face off while climbing over a fence. fence. That's Mm -hmm. a bit of bad luck. I like the casual way that they sort of saunter back to the house take a bit of a break get their stuff sorted oh by the way he shot his head off I would, I would be running in that situation I feel doesn't scream innocence no I would be I would be screaming a lot in that situation <laughs> <laughs> on all sides on all sides there would be a lot of screaming going on well the servants go and they do indeed find Cecil lying on his back a gunshot wound to the head that has shattered his skull yeah a doctor is called to the scene Alfred claims that Cecil had wandered off alone and he again repeats his claim. He must have fired the gun accidentally as he was climbing over a fence that guarded a dyke. Alfred, of course, of course, informs his friend, Mr. Tottenham. Doesn't call Cecil's parents. Oh, no. No. no, no, the, no, major, no. the major doesn't need to know. No, the major doesn't need to know. But the authorities eventually contact How was he them. carrying his gun? I mean, surely you carry the gun over a shoulder. 
mm. is the usual way, not sort of face up under your face. <laughs> That's not the usual way of carrying a gun, I feel. While in my, in climbing. My, while fence. climbing, in my very, very limited gun related experience, <laughs> I don't think you walk around climbing a gun with it pointed at your head. <laughs> I think that seems to be like lesson one. Do not point the gun at your head. I mean, even you know that. Even I know that, and I've never shot a gun before. You know, you might go shooting, and they go, the most important thing is to point the gun at your face all the time. All the time. To make sure you don't shoot it, because you're not going to do that. <laughs> terrified of the gun. Cecil is a bit stupid, to be fair. Sorry, sorry no one's that stupid. <laughs> he didn't complete his army training, because Alfred didn't train him up. So maybe he was just like, guns pointed at your face constantly. Go on, Cecil, go. Climb that big rickety hill. Mm. I have questions about that. I have, must admit, I have questions. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. A doctor arrives at the scene and, of course, accepts the story of accidental oh, no, death. Absolutely. No questions asked. Absolutely. He shot himself in the face. That's fine. Poor Cecil is buried a few days later. But the authorities are not convinced. Good. No, they have questions. <laughs> this doesn't seem to add up. Everything you that you've said. Someone is climbing, walking, suddenly shoots himself in the face. They need to ask questions. And it the behaviour of Alfred and this mysterious man, who has since vanished, by the way. Ooh. Edward Scott, gone. Found his yacht. Found his yacht, sailed, sailed away, away. Across land and sea. Yeah. Enya, yelling in the background. Yes, the authorities have questions. Especially when they discover that Cecil's life had been insured but a few days earlier mm. in favour of Mrs. Monson. They also hear about the boating accident. So they go down and examine the boat that was taken out. They do find that a hole had been cut in the bottom <laughs> of the boat and a cork had been put in it. <laughs> so you know you said like, yeah, pl- unplugged it? Yeah, they unplugged the boat. Literally. Oh dear. And also, all of this business, the men had not said a word about Cecil's death until they had cleaned and stored their guns. Does not scream innocence. Not at all. And they even have claimed to some people who were on the scene that they weren't even carrying guns. No. No, Cecil was the only one with a gun. The young man, yes, he was crazy for guns. We had no guns whatsoever. (laughs) So as I said, Scott has disappeared at this time, so there's no way of accounting for his testimony. Mm. He completely disappears. They decide to exhume and re-examine Cecil's body. Mm. Dig him up! Dig him up! Dig him up. No scorch marks around Uh, his face. Distance. Distance blasting. Also suspicious that the wound may have been made by a higher calibre weapon. Ah, that'll be it. So you know the 22 The 22 and the 21. Versus the 20. Uh, Oh, we don't know what that means. (laughs) But it sounds impressive and very important. Oh, no. No, bad men. At the trial, Alfred obviously pleads not guilty. And the press are having a field day. (laughs) So there's so many details about the press that I couldn't actually fit into this story. Everyone is speculating at this time on the press. There is a country estate murder. It's a mystery. There's a missing person. Someone has been shot. A young, young, beautiful man has been shot. The press speculate. They're they're going crazy. Edward Scott was a woman in disguise. Woman in man's clothing. That was it. She was running away. Was it the missus? Or maybe was it Mrs. Monson? No, no, she's around. Oh, she's around. Oh, boo. She's around. Apparently, she aims a pistol at someone when they question her too much. No one questions that at all. <laughs> in the courtroom? No, not in the courtroom. Someone goes <laughs> Just... to the house and says, could this be Edward Scott? They hold up a picture and said, that's my dead brother. I'll kill you. 
Literally, that is the only line I could find in it. I wasn't going to include it in the story because it was so bad. <laughs> no, they, they claim that Edward Scott is a woman in man's clothing, a, a nobleman trying to escape the spotlight, uh, is a prisoner, a valet, a gentleman's valet, a bookie, any of these people. Journalists claim that Monson had actually been hypnotising Cecil. Nice. As the tutor of this sort of Victorian, oh yeah, lovely, delicious Victorian kind of age. All that money going on pocket watches. Exactly, yes. Hypnotising him that he would do his bidding. That was it, yes. And he bid himself to shoot himself in the face. All manner of theories and hoaxes surround this case. The press is in full manic form. People are so fascinated by the case that there are young men who dress up as lawyers just to get into the trial hearings. Oh, that's dramatic. How many lawyers do you have? Why do you have 15 lawyers? Uh, <laughs> we'll sit at the back. It's fine. Now, at the trial, the prosecution argued that the blood around Cecil's body indicated that he had died in a different location, that it had pooled beneath his body. Uh, the testimony of the, the witnesses of, of Alfred is that he had fallen into a ditch, the dike, and yes, then died. Away or something. Exactly. Like it but it was all pooling underneath mm. him. So there was this whole issue. But then they're arguing, would the surrounding trees, as you said earlier on, be marked by a shot? Would there be marks on the trees if he had been shot from afar mm-hmm. rather than been shot, um, at, shot at uh, close range? But if he was shot at close range, how close do you need to be for a shotgun shell to shatter the skull? Because that's what happened to yeah. Cecil. I shit you not, actual trees were brought in as evidence. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Whether they were dragged into the courtroom wholesale, they were dug up, yeah. they were brought to Edinburgh, stored as evidence, okay. these poor trees. I don't know if they were mighty oaks or tiny saplings. I'm glad they were thorough. Both sets of lawyers bring in their own collection of skulls to okay. sh- demonstrate how close range a bullet would shatter a skull or not. Oh, is there fun shooting skulls in, in Well, whether they, they don't think they shot them, but there's a lot of shattering of skulls going on. So okay. it's a lovely image of them just hurling skulls to the floor. At one point, they bring in a horse's skull going, this is a good measure. It's like, that's a horse. That's a horse, no, that's not a person. That's not a person. Trying to show how close a bullet would come to a skull. They don't actually bring in the victim's skull, because that would be horrible. Where they got the skulls from, people are like, oh, there's loads of skulls lying around the place. Okay, yeah. So that's fun. There are problems with the case, aside from the skull smashing and tree bashing. What the defence hang on is that Alfred could not have benefited from Cecil's death because Mm. the insurance policy stated that it would not pay out before Cecil's 21st birthday. That's when he was due to come into this inheritance that Alfred spoke about. Now, maybe this is a bit of small print, that Alfred didn't know about. Okay. He so, had, even, so even if he died before, the money wouldn't be released until... According to the insurance company, no. So they say there's no way that he would have benefited. So why would he have why killed he him? Have, yes. From the way the story is portrayed, it feels like Alfred went in and said, I need an insurance policy in case anything happens to uh. Cecil before he reaches his 21st birthday. Well, that would be my assumption from yes, how you described it. Well, there we go. But the insurance company have obviously put this caveat in there, which is... Trust them and their sneaky ways. Yeah, there we go. sneaky fine print. That's enough to cast a shadow of a doubt yeah. to say, well, he didn't benefit. And also, no one knows what happened to Cecil. Everyone argues this case back and forth and all of the forensic evidence, and it's really poured over in court. And Dr. Joseph Bell testifies now do you know that name no 
Dr. Joseph Bell is the real-life inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so he is a doctor. He gave evidence and he gave testimony. He was in Scotland on many cases, but he testifies in this. And it's one of the things that everyone jumps on in this case. First thing, like, ooh, the real-life Sherlock Holmes talked about it. Joseph Bell testified for the prosecution and said the shotgun wound was not self-inflicted. Nope. There were other experts who said, I think it was. But it's enough. It's enough to cast doubt. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you need. So nine days later, the jury return a verdict of, remember we were in Scotland? Unproven or something, isn't it? Not proven. Not proven. Yeah. Not proven. The unique yeah. Desperate Scottish verdict sort of way of, yeah. in Scotland. Not proven. The unique verdict in Scotland to say you're not guilty, you're not innocent. It's just been not proven. Mm. Oh. I, I like that. <laughs> I like you that. like this for this, don't you? Yeah, no, I think that's good. For the purposes of our story, yes, not proven. To me, I think it's pretty bloody obvious that he killed him. But is it? But if you're not sure, so if there was no, if unpro- if it was an English court, and there was no sort of not proven verdict, then it would be a not guilty. Mm, very true. Which is a complete exoneration sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas these unproven, it's a bit. Ah, you might have done it. We think you did it. <laughs> But we're not sure. <laughs> well, there's an interesting thing, and, and let, let's come on to the legacy that, that Monson left. He is free. He is free mm. now. Didn't have a great reputation when he left. Well, no. Um, his past and his money-grabbing ways have been laid out in court. It's reported that Cecil's family and friends were so enraged by the verdict that for many years later, for the anniversary of his death, they printed notices in a national newspaper that read, Sacred to the Memory of Cecil Dudley Hambra." Shot in a wood near Ardlemont, August 10th, 1893. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. Ooh, that's very dramatic. It's very sort of passive-aggressive, kind of. It's quite aggressive. I don't know if passive is. It's quite aggressive. It's quite aggressive. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. It's passive-aggressive. It's like, you bloody did it, you bitch. You know. We've we've seen other things with, like, Headstone <laughs> saying, they killed me. <laughs> but Alfred made the most of his unfortunate fame. And this is where I think, even though he's an absolute shit, there's parts of you who go, oh, that's quite good. And so, to the local papers and Oh, oh, he d- and oh absolutely, he did. Yeah. He was paid £40 to give a talk. It's not just the local yeah. paper, to, to give a lecture, to give a lecture about what happened to him. Paid £40 for one appearance. He didn't turn up to it. He ended up giving this talk in, a, in uh, the Westminster Aquarium. Oh, Okay. Which is an interesting setting. It's a isn't curious it? choice for a, yeah, a lecture of that variety. I shot, someone was shot in the face. Here's a shock. They, re- they were recreating the dike over the stream. Oh, that was it. Yes. <laughs> and also what happened in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Rather brilliantly, though, I love this and the details on it are so scant, but it, it's true. He secretly went on to team up with a hypnotist, well, theatrical producer mm. named Morit. And they devised a plan where Morit put out adverts in the local paper saying, I challenge Alfred Monson to come to my hypnotist show and prove his innocence. And I will prove in front of everyone whether he is guilty or whether he's innocent. And he turned up because obviously he's in on it. And then he sat on stage and then under hypnotism, he was asked, did you kill the man? And he said, no, (gasps) of course, it's proven it. But they basically made a show out of it. Nice. They made a theatrical show <laughs> out of this. 
Uh, I think they had about two. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not, the th- it's not the thing you can do a night after night. No. Really, is it? So... They did not think it through. They did not yeah. think it through. Repeat performances are tricksy in that, yeah. <laughs> on that one. Uh, Edward Scott did re-emerge. Turned out to be a Ooh. person called Edward Sweeney, who was a bookie, a bookmaker. There's also a report that he got in touch with Mr. Morrit himself. And it seems like Alfred has all of these, like Tottenham and uh, Edward Scott, who turned out to be uh, Edward Sweeney. They were all probably working together on the same network. Yeah, Edward Sweeney ended up talking to Mr. Morrett and having his own show, which is some bizarre, completely nonsensical <laughs> setup of him sitting on a chair that is suspended nice. and it's tipped forward and then a shot is fired, it all goes black and then he's not there and the chair sort of tips forward and he disappears. And it's like, Drama. what context is there for you turning up? Nobody knows. Maybe it was just a job. But did he know. ever find his boat? That's what I want to know. He never found his yacht. Ah, oh, boo. One day, actually, the lights went black and then a yacht was there. It was like bullseye, <laughs> an early thing. Bum, 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 bum. But one slice of fame post-trial that did not please Alfred Monson was, as was the style at the time, his appearance in Madame Two Swords. Oh, nice. You mentioned it right I at the did. beginning. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, a waxwork model of him mm. turned up in Madame Two Swords. Alfred took offence at this. If I have appeared in the Chamber of Horrors, then I am next to murderers, and you're implying I'm a murderer. Mm. So, really good point. The whole case behind it, he starts off with trying to file an injunction, which turns into a liable act, saying you cannot put my face in Madame Tussauds and imply that I am guilty of a crime. It is revealed in the various trials and court hearings that Alfred Monson was only too happy to sell his suit to Madame Two Swords, that his friends, etc., <laughs> um, had given their likeness to them. But then he decided he wasn't being paid enough, and then he was going, no, 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 mm. I am being put forward in Madame Two Swords, and I am not guilty of a crime because it's not proven. In the end, the jury in the libel trial found that he had indeed been libeled, and he was paid one farthing. Nice. <laughs> That's the ultimate fuck you. <laughs> Madame Two Swords is excellent all the way through them if you read the court reports there's too much to go into but they're like yeah fuck you oh here's a penny the case did however establish libel by innuendo Mm. which is really important for defamation laws going forward in short it means that libel has to be published in a permanent form but it doesn't mean words so libel is in print we use it in newspaper Mm. law but it can be a waxwork Ha ha ha, libel by innuendo. Mm -hmm. Alfred Monson would go on to commit insurance fraud later in his life. He was sentenced to five years in jail, finally paying for at least one of his crimes. (laughs) That is the story of the Ardlevant murder mystery. Very good. It it is a mystery. It is indeed a mystery. Sorry, I'm just drinking and drinking. (laughs) Delicious. It's a mystery. It is a mystery, indeed. Is it a mystery? Well, I mean, assuming he okay, assuming he did it, you must assume also that he has entirely misread the insurance. I think he probably thing. has. He's made a huge error on, yeah. the, on the insurance policy and not noticed this little clause or something. Yeah. But then also, surely, that money must have become available when he Cecil would have become 21. So like four or five years later hmm. or something, that money must have been... Therefore, well, do you think he was available. playing the long game? Is that well, what you're that, saying? Well, that's the thing. That, that money must have gone somewhere. 
when he, well, when... I think if he was convicted of a crime, it would probably invalidate. But it. he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't convicted yeah. of a crime. It was unproven. So, but to his wife, yeah, it would have well, gone to yeah, his wife. Yeah, would have gone to his wife. But still, yeah. that, that still that money went somewhere. Well, that's a really good point. Like, did did she actually end up getting paid? Did she? Yeah, did she end up getting this this lump sum of cash? That's sort weird, of like four yeah. years four years later. Or something, so... Maybe it was a long game. It didn't yeah. seem like, from everything that was written, that Alfred was the kind of guy to play the long game. No, he doesn't... Well, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's in with scams with the major and trying to think, trying to mm. trying to work out how to get how to get money. But, yeah, I mean, four or five years is an extreme thing. But that if that was the whole point of the court case, that he had no immediate gain from this, mm. because the particular fine print and the... In the policy was that the payout wouldn't occur until Cecil would have become twenty-one. Yeah, that he would have become twenty-one at some point. So that money must have been made made available. Yeah, so, it's a really good point so, because yeah. we in the story it does imply that Cecil is a lot younger. He's only about eighteen yeah. or so, seventeen, eighteen, and that's why I said in it like you know it's quite confusing. Like yeah. supposed to imply that he was going to be turn of age next year. It did strike me that Alfred thought that he was getting a bridge between him and the 21st. Because mm. he knew that, that Cecil would come into an inheritance when he was 21. Mm. He knew he'd come into 20 grand. He just sold it to the insurance company. He's coming into £200,000. Um, so I need some insurance. If anything happens between now and then, you need to pay out right now because my wife has put up some money yeah. and she's relying on this on him coming of age there would be no reason for him to take out a clause that would protect it unless he was genuinely that was genuinely what happened unless for mm-hmm. some reason all of his insurance fraud and all of his money making horribleness that he had done in his past he had suddenly changed his ways when he got to Scotland and took out an insurance scheme on this young man to go no i just want to protect myself because i want to give him loads of money that seems unlikely no yeah exactly that seems unlikely but that money must have gone somewhere or the insurance company found found a way of. Oh, I'm sure they kept it, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine there, there's obviously been unproven. I suppose there's, there's, there's still this huge question mark over the whole thing. Mm. So, I'm, well, I'm maybe sure his, his dad kept I'm, it. The major well, yeah, kept so it. Yeah. So he went to the major or the insurance company. Went to no. There's there's questions about his death. So we're not paying Ooh. out. But yeah. So. But yeah, most intriguing. Yes, I think he pretty much definitely shot him in the face. I think it's probably more than likely. Yeah. That there was a, there was definitely a shotgun to the face moment. Oh no, he fell down. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, because a shotgun is going to do a horrendous amount of damage. Yeah, that's going mean, to. It's going to do a lot of lots of unpleasantness to the face. Yeah, and it must have been at some distance, otherwise there would be no face left. If it was really close up, sort of as as if I'm carrying it and I tripped or something like that, and it's gone off, you would not have a head. Yeah. At that point. There's um, there's not much detail. No matter the calibre, you would just... Yeah, there's not much detail on like the extent of the injuries. Definitely his skull shattered. It was noted that the, the doctor who examined, <laughs> examined the body on the scene had never seen a shotgun to the face before. Mm. So I don't know whether that meant they were just vomiting profusely. Yes, because there is no face left. And crying, going, oh my God, <laughs> I mean, I or would, would not have been able to... Would not know to check okay if there has been this there would be scorch marks on whatever's left of the skin and there wouldn't be this much explosion i don't know um definitely the skull shattered but that was the point is i think it was enough of a okay there's no head left is is different to for sure joseph bell saying no this is this is from this is from close to long mid-range this is a distance this is not 
under your chin shooting. Yeah. This is at a distance. This is someone taking aim and shooting. It did sound like in the courtroom that they just kept getting in skulls and they didn't know how to demonstrate it other than shooting someone in the face. We would absolutely. Why suppose being that? There was probably some criminal in the back going, "No, no, please don't bring me in." They were like, "No, come on, come on, let's just get a cadaver in. Let's get a cadaver and shoot its face off." Well, that's what you did. Well, some places you you can't. There's no other way of sort of like computer modelling or anything like that to find out what it is. Say, if you want to know what happens at a a shotgun blast at twenty foot. Yeah, you've got to shoot a shotgun from twenty foot <laughs> to find out the impact it has. So, I mean, did, does that happen? People, you may know better than we do. Is like you have to examine how the impact of a bullet. If you're doing a crime scene investigation, there's you know we mentioned it before. Carla Valentine has the the wonderful wonderful podcast on BBC Sounds where it examines a crime scene and it looks at blood spatter mm. and all those things, and you can do 3D modelling around it. But do people actually shoot corpses in the head <laughs> to kind of go, oh yeah, this is how you would shoot someone in the face? Well, I think probably I mean, now there's been enough sort of. <laughs> The research has been done, potentially, so that you have... There this, was enough shooting. There was enough shooting of people in the face <laughs> that you have a decent record of different shots to the face. Some some pathologists came over and went, I can't shoot any more corpses in the face. But, it's getting upsetting. But I think back in, back in the day, I mean, that would have been that would have been the way to do it. Oh, in the Victorian era, it would be like, no one's going to record this ever. Let's have at it, Have kids. at it, absolutely. Oh, dear God, to be a corpse yeah. back then. Not a good day. Well, no. what do you think, people? Do you think you can solve the Ardlemont mystery? Do you think that Alfred should have gotten off or he should have been convicted? What do you think about not proven? Um, what do you think about the libel case with Madame Two Swords? Really, at the time, the libel by innuendo. And where do you hide your yacht? (laughs) (laughs) Tiny, tiny yacht they were peddling around in. Who was Edward Scott? Was it a woman in disguise? Was it a yacht in disguise? Yacht in disguise. Trying to find its own true love. (laughs) Tell us what you think. Jump on the comments. Send us your thoughts, your theories, and more stories that we could cover in the future as we said next week is our special end of season finale where we're looking back at the past two years after that we are taking a short break but we will be back for season three so do send us suggestions of things you'd like to hear about in season three anything we can mix up or we can change for the poisonous cabinet or do you just love us the way we are if you haven't already join us on patreon wonderful episodes on there as i said a couple of special episodes coming up with special guests the recipe for the Six barrel shotgun will be out this evening, so definitely give it a go. It's surprisingly tasty. I mean, my my brain has stopped working, and so has my mouth, apparently. Um, <laughs> so it's certainly a strong one, but it is very, very tasty. Very, very tasty. Very tasty. And we probably have all the ingredients. You will just mix yeah, that bitch up. Just chuck it all together. Do it. It's great. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye!